So guys, today is Friday, August 2. And uh, I just would like to remind you guys that at the end of this month, this podcast will be going on hiatus. So don't be surprised, don't be shocked, because I gave you forewarning. These are the last precious few episodes. Um, And speaking of it being August, uh, I'm at ASI right now. And this re- this interview that I'm about to share with you re- was recorded a while ago on account of I've been traveling so much. But I just ran into Jose Briones, Pastor Jose, the host of Disruptive Adventism here at ASI yesterday. Um, <clears throat> so you'll get to hear my conversation with him from a while ago. But uh, in the in the interim, since this uh, interview happened. He got his hit piece, so we're talking with a real live heretic, <laughs> a real Adventist heretic. Uh, we talk about basically money and Adventism, why people give, why they don't, um, about tithe. He he lets you guys off the hook for tithing, even though he's a conference pastor. <laughs> so like I said, a real heretic. He got his Fulcrum 7 hit piece um, and is apparently interviewing them today. Maybe so. Keep a lookout for that interview on his podcast. Um, and in the meantime, listen to me try to wrangle his sermonizing back in order. <laughs> all right. Um, while I continue recovering from all my illnesses, I'll see you guys on the other side. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on my show. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, first of all, can you just tell us who you are about your podcast also? Because we're all fans of Disruptive Adventism. And just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Jose Briones. I am the host of Disruptive Adventism. I'm a millennial. I live in Georgia. And, um, well, you know, I produce shows and I engage in conversations and, you know, the Adventist world. I like to create change, disrupt certain things uh, in a positive (laughs) sense, not always in a negative sense. (laughs) But... Um, but sometimes yeah sometimes i mean you know you you have to you have to gain but you also have to lose certain things certain things that you know sometimes you think are good um they may not be good so you know you have to disrupt them you have to change them morph them but um yeah that's what i do um and yeah i work with churches so i work and you know i help uh people you know uh find their spiritual growth and yeah that's what my podcast is about trying to make it through this you know adventist world and highlight people uh, and what they do cool um well i wanted to talk to you a little bit because uh we're kind of both in this digital space and i wanted to talk to you about sort of what we see as the differences between what compels our generation to get involved and to give and to support things that they care about versus what motivates our parents generation or really any other generation um Mm. and kind of talk about like how we see that so sure uh i guess my first question is uh you have you have a patreon for your podcast right that's correct uh can you just talk about for anybody who may not know just briefly what patreon is and how it works 
Yeah. Um, Patreon is a platform where you can donate to the creatives out there. So like the people that are creating content, that are producing content, usually you'll find a lot of artists, you'll find a lot of podcasts, YouTubers, you know, uh, they don't get depending on how you are. I mean, if you're like a super tech blogger, you're, you don't need a Patreon because you get enough <laughs> from YouTube ad revenue. Yeah. But for the smaller guys, like, you know, smaller people that are creating content, that are creating, um, that they're not using, you know, their platform. They're not getting that attraction yet that they don't have that amount of money. They create a Patreon account where you can sign up and support from $1 a month and up. So, um, for example, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Matt Diavella, uh, great guy. He's like super on the, you know, he's like super minimalist and like he makes awesome videos. Like his videos are amazing. Um, he, his main income comes from Patreon because he doesn't have ads on his YouTube channel. And the reason why he doesn't have ads is because he wants people to support him. And he has, I think, about a thousand people that support him, maybe a little bit more. Nice. Um, and that's his income, you know, uh, but he's producing content. He's a filmmaker and, you know, he just continues doing what he's doing, which I think is a great thing. So Patreon is a platform that allows people to contribute to, you know, their preferred uh, creative person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting format because, and this is something I had meant to talk to Caleb when he came on about, but we never got around to it. Um, but the fact that like the creative spaces and art in general is kind of hard to monetize. And so this is a, a model that they came up with to sort of figure out a way to do that. But you have a Patreon for Disruptive Adventism, right? Uh, can you talk about how you feel that's going? Um if you found support there and if you see a future there for creatives? Um, so I started with kind of like a similar mentality that uh, Matt Diavella started. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put ads on my podcast because I'm a huge podcast listener and I really don't like ads, to be honest. Like, you know, I think that yeah. they're intrusive. I think that you can just do without them. So in the first uh couple i think maybe 80 um not 80 you know a little bit less maybe like 65 70 episodes of disruptive adventism um we didn't have ads so we just like you know allowed people to go to patreon and we only been at it for a year so you know for a year it's been pretty good we have about 12 people that donate uh different range different uh, quantities, you know, some people donate a buck, some people donate five dollars, some people are donating twenty bucks. So, uh, it you know, it's mixed. It depends on everyone's you know level of uh, financial stability and things of that nature. Um, but you know, so far, you know, for a year, we have about 12, 12 people, and you know, that's that's, nice. that's pretty good. You know, it's it's not yeah, and that's like because it's regular consistently giving yeah it is it is monthly you know and it's not a lot of money but you know it helps to pay the bills like uh, something that a lot yeah. of people don't realize when it comes to creating things or you know even just this podcast is like you have a website to host it you need a if you like that's just if you want to put it like you know in a platform right so you have uh, host fees then if you have a website then you have to pay that you know website domain then you have to pay the 
you know, the website as a whole, like let's say you're using Squarespace or you're using Wix or you're using, uh, maybe you're using your own thing, you know, um, and all of that kind of starts adding up. Then on, on top of that, like you had to buy a mic and then you had to buy an audio interface and then you had to have a computer and then you had to have a program <laughs> it that starts runs racking that. up. It starts quickly. racking up pretty quick. I mean, like in the past year, I spent about $2,500 in, yeah. in, in all of that. Easily, yeah. You know, it's just like, I mean, I have a, I have a good mic, I think, you know, I mean, it's one of the best in the industry, but, you know, we got there after a couple of months of having some support from people, which was great. Um, but, you know, the bills rack up. And then, I mean, of course, on yeah. top of that, if that's your only income, you know, like <laughs> you had to pay rent and, you know, all of the other things that come when it comes to creating. Um, so for the first first, you know, almost a year, I think it was like about 10 months, we didn't do ads. But you know, after like recognizing that, hey, I cannot just, you know, like I have a job, like I had to take care of my own stuff. <laughs> and like, I cannot let that uh, throw my budget off, you know, yeah, because, uh, you know, we all have student loans, all the young people have student loans, most people, at least <laughs> most young people have student loans, and I got to pay them, you know, I got to be responsible. Um, so because of that, you know, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm about to start having my student loans, you know, let me actually take on some ads like, you know, and so we're now taking ads and disruptive Adventism. Um, we, Do you feel like you violated your principles? Uh, you know, it was it was tough <laughs> in the beginning. It was really tough, honestly, because I was like, oh, man, like I wish more people would have, you know, donated. Um, I had like yeah, a, yeah. I had like a goal that it was like if we can get to 250 right? Like $250. Um, you know, I will not put ads because you know, that's, that's a good steady income. Like, you know, sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very sustainable, you know? So, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start doing ads. I mean, if NPR and the daily and all the best podcasts out there do it, I might as well do it. So I started getting on ads and, you know, it's been pretty good because they pay you every, thousand listens you know so every thousand listens they give you 15 20 bucks so like you know yeah um you know we're getting a good amount of listens and that really helps to pay the bills i mean and i started cutting corners now like you know i um i'm hosting a different host now um i removed my squarespace uh if you're checking the website it probably will still be down because uh, we're doing some <laughs> renovations you know we're working uh to do it better just because like Something that a lot of people tell you is a lot of people will tell you like, hey, do your website on Squarespace. It's a great place. And I agree if you're just trying to like, you know, get a template and that's it. But if you're trying to it's like not, do more yeah, complex it's things, it's probably not very customizable. So we want to go a little bit further, create a little bit of a visual experience for people to come into, you know, when they come to our website. And that's what we're going to do. So we're switching a lot of stuff. It's going to take a little bit more money, but, you know, we cut corners some places, you know, and we're allowing it to be, um, you know, used in other places. So that's that's yeah. been our, my experience with Patreon this year. Um, and I hope it picks up. You know, the more people yeah. that listen, the more people are willing. Uh, some people will do it, you know, faster and, you know, some people will do it, you know, slower. So do you have any idea of the demographic of the people that contribute to you? And um, what do you think? Uh, how have you gained the the contributors that you have? And what do you think is motivating people to decide? Oh, um, hey, I should. 
support disruptive advocacy? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, yes, I do have access to the demographics. Um, we have literally everyone in the spectrum. We have Asians, we have black people, we have white people, we have Latinos. Um, yeah, we have everybody. Are they like in a certain age range? Um, we have from baby boomers all the way to Gen Y, oh, nice. so all the way to millennial. I don't think we have a Gen Z, and I think it's for obvious reasons because, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still they getting into money. college, you know, like they're like, no, actually, when yeah. I earn money, I wanted to keep it, which I get. I mean, I get it. millennials are still complaining about not having money, so. Well, you know, that's just, you know, different, you know, everybody is in a different financial situation and millennials yeah. have been, you know, screwed up. I mean, that's that's part of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's an excuse you know, to like say like, oh, you know, I've been screwed up and like, you know, I cannot do anything about it. But I think that, you know, we have it a little bit against ourselves. So, yes, it is a little bit harder, but, you know, you can find your you can find your way out. Um, yeah. If, if, you know, the right conditions, because, you know, we also have to understand that there are some people that may want to get out, but they can't like the, like the system does not like them, um, usually minorities and, you know the system prevents them with different things or, you know, like healthcare, you know, so there's a big thing right now in the politic, uh, political, you know, conversation and how that hinders a lot of, you know, your progress or different things. Um, but that's where I think, you know, Adventism can come in because Adventism has a lot of resources that help people, you know, move up in the ladder, uh, not only spiritually, uh, but also, you know, um, you know, in society and by spiritually, I don't mean that there's like a point system, but like, you know, you, you improve, you grow. So that's, that's my point. Yeah. Um, I want to go back. I'm interested. Uh, I'm surprised to hear that uh, you have kind of a spread across generations, uh, of support. Um, yeah. just because of the nature of new media and sort of the digital space, I, I would have sort of initially expected to see more younger people. Uh, do you think there is a different reason for each generation to be compelled to give? Or do you think that it's equally applicable, especially in the context that we're talking this digital space you know is I it equally applicable for everyone I, I think that there is a different reason i know that there's a different reason something that i've been um kind of like I've, I've tried to be intentional is to reach out to the patrons like uh once every three months or once every four months like you know we're we're about to send a couple of extra cards like we, we always send cards like you know we ask for feedback or whatever like you know we're, we always ask for people to to come in and to help us out um for the gen gen xers and baby boomers they've seen some value in it and honestly i mean to a certain degree they're like hey um you know uh i know you like you know i know that what you're doing and it's helping me you know and helping young people out there so we're gonna give to you um more millennials have been, the millennials have been like okay i, I really like this like you know i really want to support um and you know they they have they have done so and, and i appreciate that because you know i understand like people from my generation may not have all the money in the world um but yeah that's um, interesting so you so would you say maybe a distinction you could make is that the older generations are more compelled by uh personal connection and younger generations are more compelled by cause 
Uh, I think that's possible. Uh, definitely requires connection in both. Like, you know, if I wasn't connected yeah, to some true. of the people that, you know, I, I think I only don't really know, like really, really, really have interacted with maybe three or four patrons. Like, you know, like they just found our page and, you know, they listened to our content and they were like, you know what, I'm going to help out. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, besides everybody else, I have had a connection, like some sort of like, Hey, yeah. you know, like, Oh, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're helping out churches. Oh, you're helping out young people. Like, you know, uh, Oh, I know you like, yeah, you've done that for us before. Like, you know, or whatever. Um, I will say a connection is still yeah. necessary. Um, but I think that, you know, it's just a product of your time. Like, you know, millennials are definitely driven by a cause, but, uh, so I mean, the baby boomers and Gen Xers were also driven by a cause back in the day as well. Like, you know, it's just that nowadays, you know, the cause it has taken into a different flavor, you know, in a different format, which is the, you know, broadcasting media, you know, social media and YouTube, like, you know, and stuff like that. So things have changed a lot. You know, we just had to realize that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that millennials are driven by a cause right now because, well, that's the only thing that will spark them in the same way that their parents and their grandparents were driven by a cost, like the causes of their time, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you think that uh, recently I've been hearing a lot of people our, our age, like lamenting or complaining about uh, the idea of giving to the church as an organization, like they're tied to the conference. Yes. Um, do you think that they're, do you think that is a huge problem and do you think it can be replaced or supplemented with this sort of independent grassroots stuff or do you think everyone is sort of making the same mistakes across the board in whatever venues we're trying to fundraise so you're saying that okay so let me just get the question straight so yeah, first yeah. question is uh do i think that you know millennials are not giving to the church um uh, well, yeah, that could be part of the question. That's what I've heard. Have you heard something similar, I guess, is the first part of the I question. I think millennials are really reconsidering their way of giving um, because they see that the global mission does not start from a local context. So what that means is, you know, if you're an Adventist, you've done this as a kid or maybe as a, as a teenager. I know I've done this for all the Sabbath school lessons that I am I'm aware of. Every time a Sabbath school lesson came, I remember as a kid and still as an adult, I always go to the back page and I look at the map to see what's the mission or where yeah. the money is going. And the reason why I did that as a child is because I wanted my field, right, to be featured. Like to, yeah. to, you know, like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's my country. Like, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. Like actually the money is coming here. Like everybody. Wow. Like, you know, um, and I felt that kind of connection, you know, with, with, with people. The thing is that as time has gone by, I realized that, you know, my local context has never been featured and there are projects out there, the mission projects, right? You know, the schools that are being built and like the, the 13th Sabbath offering, whatever, you know, the missional offering that we always send, you know, that it's going out there, it's going out there, it's going out there. And I think that, especially in North America, people are getting tired of that. 
now they feel like the tithe is not doing any good for them. And I'll give you an example. I live in Georgia, you know, and I live in South Georgia. So if you've ever been to South Georgia, you know that anything below Atlanta, it starts to get a little bit more difficult. Like the towns get start a little get uh, the, the, the towns get a little bit smaller and smaller, you know, as the rural Georgia and you have less support. Because, you know, for the conferences and the big events, everything happens in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area mm -hmm. or above. Like, you know, you have Southern Adventist University. And, you know, for a lot of the members in this area, you know, they feel like, hey, you know, a lot of things are happening over there. You know, like in, in Atlanta, in Collegedale, you know, Tennessee, same thing happens in most conferences. There's always an area, for the most part, that has not been, you know, well taken care of. It's like too far from the conference. Like they feel like they're not, you know, uh, taken care of. And I think the reason why is because, you know, and they feel like, hey, you know, we've been sending all this money, this 10%, right? And the only thing that you're sending is a pastor to us. But you're not, mm -hmm. you're not sending other resources, but so, do you think, I, I mean, I can see that, I can definitely see that um, as a motivating factor for those groups of people, but don't you think, like, I'm in Loma Linda, there's plenty of money in this conference, uh, but I still see the same problem of our generation being unwilling to give time right. to the organization. And, and I, I mean, part of it is distrust. I mean, part of it is just like lack of trust, lack of like, you know, what are you going to do with my money? Another thing yeah. is that lack of faithfulness i mean let's call it like what it is like you know some people do not like to give their money and they they hold their money you know they love their money and they are not following at least what we understand the bible to say that you should have a a cheerful giving heart like you know and that part of that is you know the tithe now yeah when it comes to the tithe conversation I think that we need to revise certain things in our practice. You know, I think our our, our belief uh, is, is solid. You know, we have a, a solid system that is based on either the New Testament or the, you know, Old Testament. Whether, whether you want it or, you know, whichever way you want it. The Old Testament has a tithing rule, like, you know, it's like a 10%. The, the New Testament is even more radical. It's like, just give, like, you know, give as much as you want. It doesn't matter how much it is. Like, I mean, in the book of Acts, they had everything in common. Like, you know, they probably gave a lot of stuff, gave a lot of money, you know. And I mean, we have a pretty graphic story in the book of Acts when, you know, two people decided that they were not going to give everything that they had promised to give and they were consumed, you know. Um, and so that. Yeah. Oh, uh, that segues kind of into the second part of the question that I wanted to ask, which is if people are not giving, if part of the reason people are not giving to the conference um, is because they're just unwilling to give, does that then mean that grassroots stuff like our podcasts are also doomed simply because people just don't want to give at all? Yeah, I mean, for the grassroots movement, is harder i will say because you think <laughs> yeah i will even say even with so. the distrust of organizations in our generation yes because organizations still have you know uh, uh martin heidegger uh he's a philosopher 
uh, and Ludwig Wittgenstein also, like, you know, they, they run by each other, but they, the, Wittgenstein has this phrase, you know, a picture held us captive. Like, you know, the idea that uh, this picture, this idea that has been enframed in society has held you captive. And that's part of the organization, you know, like how many years have you heard that, you know, you sh you're supposed to give tithe to the church? Like, you know, that image is ingrained in your brain. Like, you know, and for me, it's like, if I don't give to the church, I feel guilty, you know, like, I mean, personally, and <laughs> is that healthy? <laughs> I don't think it's healthy. I mean, I think, it, I mean, that's why I'm saying I've been trying to rework the way I give, Yeah, yeah. you know, because I realize, like, Hey, like, you know, here's one thing that I've started to realize from a personal perspective, you know, we ask our members in the seven day Adventist church to not only give tithe but to give more than that. We ask mm -hmm. them to give even double tithe. Like, you know, we're like, you know, you should give 10% tithe, right? What God Plus asks offering. of you. Yeah. And 10% offering, right? 5%, 10% offering. And like, you know, I started just running numbers, you know? And it's like, that's a lot of crippling <laughs> an individual. <laughs> you know, like if this individual has debt, if this individual has health yeah, problems. That's or a fifth of like, your income. 20 percent is a lot of money so i started to ask the question instead of saying like okay why are you asking 20 percent for me like you know the lord is asking 10 percent for me and everything else is offering sure you know that's that's how you know old testament views it new testament uh give 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 like you know give you know offerings give tithe give whatever just make sure that you're giving that you have a cheerful heart when you give um but we ask 20 percent from people and we don't ask like how much are they getting in return you know, because the mm -hmm. church is not, hey, I'm going to take your money and run with it. The church is an entity that is supposed to serve its body. Like, you know, like the members are serving the members. So like, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm starting to look at, hey, you know, the Lord asks for 10%. You know, that's what he's asking of me. Where I'm going to put that 10% is my choice. It's a dangerous you know, lifestyle to live by in the Seventh-day Adventist church. But I think it's a more effective one because it's more aligned yeah. with, you know, our belief that the mission starts in the local church. So let me give you an example of what I think should be a little bit of a, more of our policy, you know. Um, so a lot of the ask your pastor, go ahead, go ask your pastor. Like, you know, if you're in a small church, if you're in a medium church, if you're in a large church, probably you're not going to have this problem. But let's say you're in a small or medium church, go ask your pastor if they have budget problems. And you're probably going to find out that they, that your church has budget problems because not a lot of people give offering, but a lot of people give tithe, but that tithe does not always return in order to cover the everyday month by month expenses of the church. So, if the Lord yeah. asks 10% from you, that doesn't mean that it should go in your tithe, in the tithe line. I mean, at least that's what I've, I've come to understand from, you know, my current situation and my current study of the word. It's like, you're supposed to give 10%. You can give five to that line, you know, that says 10%. That line was created by an organization. That line was not created by God, you know? And you're so, a pastor. Hey, I mean, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's a little bit dangerous to live by this, but here's the reality. You know, a lot of churches are suffering and 
you know, we're not giving our money. We're not giving our money. We're giving our money to the church, you know, but we have been yeah. told that the storehouse, that the place where you're supposed to keep all this money is the conference. I don't see any conference <laughs> in the Bible. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, that's just what yeah. it is. And, you know, with so everyone, with, you're off the hook per Pastor Briones. I, I guess so. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's not that you're off the hook. You're supposed to give like, you know, and, and, and I believe that God really rewards its people, you know, but I don't think that we should force people to say like this line is where you're supposed to give your 10 percent. And this yeah, line is where right. you, I feel like you're supposed to decide that, you know, because like everybody has its own method, you know, of contributing to the church. And I, I think that when we because right now the conversation, especially among theologians and pastors is like, oh, well, you know, like if we don't give the 10 percent, that means that we're going to go into congreg congregationalism. I'm like, and that means that all the money stays in the church, like, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, you know what? That's a false, like, that's a false assumption. You know, like if people start like, you know, splitting their money, I mean, if anything, here's what happens with congregationalism. Let's say that everybody decides to give 5%, like, okay, you're going to give your 10% to God, but the way that you're going to distribute it is that you're going to send 5% to your uh, to, to your local conference, and then you go to send 5% to your local church budget. If anything, what that can do is that it allows your, like your church, right? It allows your church to grow because it has more money. Then that means that more people are going to come. Like, let's say you have a 25, 30 member church. That's usually practical in very rural places. Or maybe you have a 60, 75, you know, medium sized church. If you start putting more money towards local offering, right? Like, you know, your your Sabbath school ministry, your women's ministries, your men's ministries, your youth ministries, right? If you start putting 5% out of your 10% towards that, think about how much money those ministries will have to do activities to attract people to come. And by that rule, more people will come to church, which will increase the tithe that is sent to the conference, you know? Mm. And I mean, the only thing that I ask of is like, you know, some people is going to some people is going to listen to this and take it to the extreme. But the only thing that I ask, you know, when, when, when you're for those of you who are listening, is like, you know, don't take this and just say, like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to give my, my money to the conference. No, no, that's not the spirit. The spirit is like, I want to do more local mission so that my church grows. And by that product, we're going to be able to support the conference even greater because it's true that the, the mission starts locally, but the mission needs to go forth globally. And like, you know, that's why North America has, you know, we had the most amount number, the most numbers of missionaries, uh, more people going out there because, you know, we have more resources. The dollar is, you know, more powerful than most uh you know, other currencies. And that's just the reality. But, you know, like the more you give to your local church, the more you distribute, the more it's going to grow. Because yeah. how is your youth ministry going to, you know, provide pizza for the hungry, you know, teenagers and college students if they don't have money to do that? So like, you yeah. know, um, that's <clears throat> another thing that I, I think we have been indoctrinated into giving, right? Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, give your 10% to the to the tithe, right? To the line that says tithe. And then give 5% to the local church budget. Because then that trickles down all the way 
into you know all of the all of the ministries but if you really think about it five percent of your income then trickle down by you know then they take that five percent and they, they divide it up all the different ways you don't really have control <laughs> over where your money is going but rather yeah. like you know if you put it towards youth ministries because you want your church to continue to have and attract young people right then that ministry is going to grow and it's going to be easier and faster and better because you're putting your money towards that cost which by that i hope it grows and by growing then you can support the conference even further because you know yeah. some conferences not all conferences you know but some conferences are having problems in in north america you know they're declining in their tithe they're declining in their offerings they're declining in their membership because churches don't have enough money to do events vbss don't pay themselves you know um <laughs> yeah that's true it, uh we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time here but i have one last question for you go ahead um, sorry i i did a sermon <laughs> I, I, I'm no sorry. no <laughs> it's all good <laughs> um i've talked a little bit on my podcast about the concept of fire financial independence and retiring early and i know that we kind of share some interest in like how we can sort of better our own financial situations for our other people in our generation who feel like they're not in a position to give and we you and i say man 20 percent that's a lot and for people who say "Ooh, even 10 percent, that's a lot what do you have any advice for people to just be able to feel like yeah, it's a leap of faith to give my tithe, but also I can still do it. You know what? Here's the thing. Um, most Americans, uh, it depends on your situation. You know, somebody may be listening. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm in poverty. Like, you know, I'm below the poverty line and I've been there. You know, I just want to just want to say that I've been there. I've lived there. You know, I've lived I lived on the poverty line. I've lived below the poverty line, you know, and like the you know, when I came to America, you know, the place where I used to live was a basement that is very, very small, you know, that, you know, everything was crammed and I don't know, I don't even remember the measurements, but it was, it was very, very small and, and had a lot of hardships. Uh, but I, I stayed faithful and I'm not going to say that that's why I came out and like, you know, wow, like, you know, that, that turned around my life. But here's my thing, you know, if you're struggling, if you are saying like, you know, 10% is a lot. Look where you're giving that 10%, you know, and if is, is that entity that is getting your 10% returning even more to you? Because I believe, I believe in fairness. I believe that there's a leap of faith, but I also believe in fairness. So like, if you are saying like, you know what, I'm struggling to make this 10%, you know, you're being faithful to God. That's what it is. You're being generous. You're, be, you're giving of your money. Of course, like if you budget, like, you know, you're going to have more money. But but even here, if you stay faithful to that 10%, right, go talk to your pastor if you're struggling. If you cannot make, you know, ends meet, like, you know, if you cannot make enough money, go talk to your pastor, you know. And, and like, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always asking for handouts. No, 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 no. Ask your pastor, sit down and be like, look, pastor, I'm going through a very tough time, but this is what I can do. How can you help me? How can your church help you? And I hope that the Seventh-day Adventist Church helps you because I know other churches that do help you. Like, you know, and, and that's been a learning lesson for me. You know, I've seen churches, other churches, other denominations that are more willing to help the poor than your local Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I wish it was the other way around. That the poor, yeah. that the people that need the most will be fed 
by food programs, food banks, like, you know, and stuff like that. Like if be faithful and, but also ask for your church to be fair to you because you being a congregant, you giving your 10% means that you are part of this community that is supposed to take care of you. And if they're not taking care of you, you need to ask. If, and if you ask and they don't take care of you, then you can find a different community that wants to take care of you. Hmm. Because that's just the reality. Some churches are toxic and they don't want to take care of you. And, you know, find the church, find the community of faith that really, really wants to take care of you by you. And if it takes going down to the Sunday church. Well, you know, (laughs) sometimes some Sunday churches are better than some Adventist (laughs) churches. That's just the reality. I mean, going to church on Sunday is, you know, hey, the mark of the beast is not We don't need to open that can of worms right now. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, yeah, if you have to go to a Sunday church for them to help you, I'm pretty sure they will. So, but I hope <laughs> that, right. I hope cool. that's not well, the case. Well, good advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. This is an interesting discussion. I think everybody uh, has an opinion and something to say about time <laughs> and their money. Um, how, if people want to find disruptive Adventism, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Uh, yes, so we are on all the platforms. We are on iTunes, Spotify. Um, we're on, you know, you name it. You name your podcast uh, aggregator, whatever your podcasting app, you'll find us there. Uh, you can also find us at disruptiveadventism.org. Ho- hopefully by the time that this is released, the website will be up. And the other way is disruptiveadventism at gmail.com. And also on Instagram, on Facebook. Like, you know, if you have social networks and social media, go ahead, follow us. And also, you know, I, I preach a lot, but I also do what I preach. So if you need anything, if you, any kind of assistance or whatever, like I'm here for you, you know, like send us an email, send us a DM, you know, we'll try to hook you up with somebody in the area that we know. Uh, we have a different context in different states or whatever, even outside the states, if you need help, we're here to help you out. And, you know, awesome. I believe that there are churches around that are willing to help you out. So everyone call Jose. And then once you're helped out, take some of your 10% and shoot it over to the disruptive admins and Patreon. Hey, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks uh, uh and if anybody wants to find me you can find me at adventistmillennial at gmail.com you can find me on instagram and twitter at sda millennial on facebook uh on the slack space all of the above and we will see you guys next week <laughs>